Are we good to go? We just sort of one member for a quorum for the vote, but for the adoption. Oh. All right, let's do this. Let's go to the AG's uh, report and we'll take that at the end. Okay. No, it's no problem. Okay. Uh, the end. All right, colleagues, good morning. <clears throat> and welcome to our meeting this morning. Sister, please just um, check the other members. Um, I, I do know that some are traveling because of this week. All right, colleagues, it's not a hectic meeting for us this morning. Much of the work will be done by the AG team. So let me take this opportunity to welcome your colleagues and to welcome uh, the AG team um, who are here this morning. All right, uh, yeah. Uh, I think Uma Zambani may help us with that quorum issue, Ben. Am I right? Right. No, let's go to AG. AG team, you've got four presentations for us this morning. Um, Alexco, SABC, Property Trading Management Entity in the Compensation Fund. Uh, let's take them in that order. Um, so we'll start with Alexco, move to SABC, PTME, and then we'll close it off with the um, compensation fund. So, AG team, uh, may I hand over to you and we are in your hands and we'll start off uh, with um, Alex. Over to you, AG. Uh, morning. Good morning, Honorable Chairperson, uh, um, Honorable Members. Uh, my name is Andres Sejeto. I'm from the Office of the AG. Um, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, I see that my colleagues from um, the unit that takes care of Alex Cor uh, have not joined us yet. I was hoping that they would do so, um, Honorable Chair, as you're doing your introductory remarks. Um, however, um, what I uh, as a team from the from the list is that um, we may potentially be joined by um, the partners who ordinarily um, do the audit of AlexCorp. As honourable chair, honourable members would be aware, it is a Section 43 audit, so meaning that uh, it's one of those audits that the AG has opted uh, not to conduct ourselves. Um, it is uh, done on behalf of the AG by a private audit firm. Um, I'm just trying to ascertain if that particular partner is also on the platform. Um, in the interest, I see um, that uh, the uh, head of the unit uh, responsible for the LexCo audit is waiting in the waiting room. So if you could just be admitted um, to then take care of his portfolio. Um, so with your permission and indulgence, Chairperson, I'll just ask that we maybe just provide uh, another uh, a second or so while we wait for him. Thanks, Chair. Okay, I'm sure that's fine. Uh, no problem, uh, Mr. Sajeto. Uh, it's, are we winning with that admission? Yes, we are. Okay. All right. Please give them the sharing rights as well, and then we'll get going. Honorable Chairperson, um, I see my colleague has joined. Um, my colleague's name is Mr. Fumulani Rabonda. 
She is the caretaking uh, head of uh, unit or the unit business unit leader that's responsible for national e that uh, uh, within which the Alex Corp uh, institution resides within. Um, I'll hand over to uh, Fumulani who will then uh, do the necessary uh, uh, business in terms of, of the uh, briefing required. Thank you, Thanks, Andres. Right, let's get to that. Um... Uh, good morning, uh, Chair and the uh, Honourable Members of the Committee. I see my video is upside down. Is that yeah, what you're seeing? Very interesting. You may want to. Uh, yeah, let, let, let me try to uh, uh, record again to see if I can fix that one. Sorry about that, Chair. It's, a, it's a, just an image of what Alex Co is <laughs> upside down. <laughs> oh, Mazambane, your wit is on point this morning. You remind me of that song by Joe Nama trading down to zero. Uh, that's really, really done. All right. Um, on that really light note, let's. Um, um, I think that was the entire presentation of the briefing by AG. Alex goes upside down. Nice one, Mazamba. Yeah, Andres, you see, this is what happens when half past doesn't become half past, eh? I know that apologies, Chair. So um, I hope my colleague is winning on the other side. Uh, Chair, maybe then, um, in the end, if, if we're not winning, instead of waiting, Chair, we could move over to the next presentation, Chair. Yeah, I would suggest that we do. Let's take the SABC. And then Alexa will come in uh, after that. Thank you, Chair. Um, Honourable Chair, as um, you would be, like I mentioned earlier on, um, I am the business unit leader for the unit that takes care of, amongst others, Recording the in progress. Portfolio. So uh, within our portfolio, we do the audit of the ABC and the related uh, institutions and entities within the comms portfolio. Um, I am joined by my colleague, Ms. Suret Talyard, who will be taking us through the presentation. Um, I trust that uh, Ben has already uh, given her the presentation rights, because I see he just like literally disabled mine as I was about to fly the presentation. Um, honorable Chair, Honorable Members, uh, insofar as the actual outcomes are, are concerned that uh, will be flighted shortly um, from our point of view. Um, unfortunately, the institution, the SABC, um, did not attain favorable audit outcomes for the year under review. Um, the institution obtained a qualified audit outcome. Um, honorable Chair, Honorable Members, um, would recall, and I trust that you are quite of with the different um, audit outcomes. 
being the disclaimer, adverse qualification, as well as un- unqualified, and then ultimately the one they will strive for being a clean audit opinion. Uh, suffice to say, the institution, uh, therefore, in terms of its financial outcomes, um, obtained an, a, a qualified audit outcome. The qualification, honorable chair, honorable members, is primarily driven by the institution's inability in the previous financial year to completely and adequately disclose and deal with its opening balance of irregular expenditure. Honorable chair, honorable members would note that I explicitly mentioned its opening balances because, um, you know, obviously you have the opening balance when you look at the financial statements in your comparatives and then you have your affairs for the current year, which is under review. So for the current year under review, uh, we did not identify any issues with um, any other matters in the financial statements. It was uh, on the opening balance of the irregular expenditure, which is a similar uh, root cause and driver for the qualification the entity obtained in the previous financial year, Honorable Chair. Honorable Chair, I see I've, I've, I've done half the presentation already and the screen is not uh, sharing. We are. At least we've got something to, to, to look at. I do apologize for that, uh, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members. Um, as mentioned, Honorable Members, I will now be dealing with uh, the slide. Um, can I get a confirmation that we are able to see the presentation? Yeah, it's open the screen. Um, colleagues, are we all good? All right. Thank you, Chair. I hope it's also legible and, and of, of sufficient size. Um, like I mentioned, Honorable Chair, uh, if you look at the five-year audit um, um, outcome history, unfortunately, the institution over the past two financial years... I'm just kidding. Yes, Honorable just, Chair? Um, take it up another 25%. I think it's a, um, just um, there, yeah, in terms of size. Okay, Honorable Chair, let's see what we can do. Okay, let's try that and see how that goes. Thank you, Jay. Um, as mentioned, Honorable Chairperson, um, if we look at the five-year history of the, of the institution, um, unfortunately, it has not been successful in attaining any favorable audit outcomes for the past two years being driven by the irregular expenditure and the institution's inability to deal with the opening balances. Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, would, would you call for, for those that, that, has, that have been uh, on, on, on the Scopa Committee for a while and have been following the, the affairs of the, of the institution, um, that the irregular expenditure has been quite a significant problem um, with the institution at some point reporting uh, approximately $5 billion worth of irregular expenditure. And um, in the, insofar as the process of irregular expenditure is concerned, Honorable Chair, when the Office of the AEG conducts an audit on the area of irregular expenditure disclosure, by management, we look at what management has uh, uh, disclosed. Is it completely reliable and accurate? So in other words, we look at the balance and we'll say, does it contain all the things that are supposed to have been disclosed by management? So that's the completeness exercise. We look at all the outside activities that inform the expenditure by management and determine whether all that expenditure was compliant with the relevant laws and regulations. And if it is found that a particular transaction was not compliant with laws and regulations, it is then required to be uh, uh, disclosed as irregular expenditure. And if that disclosure was not done, then you would ideally sit or ordinarily sit with a problem of completeness. And even the balance that management would then present to the auditors, we also make samples of that balance just to make sure that indeed what they have disclosed really 
uh, is a definition of irregular expenditure. So we test it from both sides. So to do those particular tests, honorable chair, honorable members, one uh, also requires to have relevant and sufficient supporting documentation. And in this instance of the SABC, um, the opening balance concerns have really been dogged by the lack of uh, sufficient and appropriate supporting evidence for some of the old contracts um, that were uh, entered into by the institution. And so therefore, on an annual basis, for the past two years, when they presented their financial statements, we were not able to satisfactorily uh, test the balance of uh, the opening balance of irregular expenditure um, uh, in the absence of, of all of those supporting documents. Uh, it is important to also highlight, honorable chair, honorable members, that management is engaged in a particular process where they are trying to clear the qualification. Um, so to this extent, um, they are doing investigations into um, the drivers of the irregular expenditure balance, like I explained, seeking this, uh, this, the supporting documents to make the determination whether whatever management is going to present in future would be accurate and reliable and complete. The importance, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, of also completing and conducting this exercise uh, would be from a point of view to also engage the National Treasury to uh, uh, you know, request for any condonation to write off these balances, because otherwise it will just lie on the, on, the, on, the, on the face of the financial statements, this is a disclosure um, you know, for, for kingdom come. So you need the supporting evidence to demonstrate um, uh, and support the condonation process. However, before we also get to the condonation process, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, there is also the all-important task of the consequence management that must then be uh, effected. So if you read, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, um, you just go a little bit down in terms of the briefing document, you'll see under compliance with legislation that uh, we have been reporting uh, consequence management um, on the, uh, at the SABC for the past three financial, consecutive financial years also primarily driven by the fact that when we come in, we assess a year later, in the absence of having all these supporting documents to be able to deal effectively with the opening balance of the irregular expenditure, you are also not able to then enforce your consequence management processes. And because some of these contracts, honorable chair, honorable members, also relate to ongoing contracts that were entered into the previous financial year, you also end up with a lot of uh, irregular expenditure that keeps on continuing. And to that extent, the Office of the AG also reports the expenditure management that you would see the, the, the fourth or the, the third bullet from the top uh, on section C of the report on compliance with legislation. Honorable Chair, I'm just going to just quickly go up a little bit. Um, in terms of the emphasis of matters, Honorable Chair, uh, obviously these matters are issues that as the auditors will highlight to the users uh, of the financial statements. So the users of the financial statement being um, oversight structures such as yourselves and those charged with governance, as well as any person on the street that might uh, benefit from, from, from looking at the financial statements of the institution. So it's not necessarily that it's a modification or a qualification. It is something that management has disclosed, but we are just bringing it to the attention of the user. One such instance, Honorable Chair, it's probably the, the most significant one for us at this point in time, would be the material uncertainty that relates to the going concern. So Honorable Chair, you would note in the, in the five-year audit outcome history, in the years that the institution, the SABC got a disclaimer and an adverse, we didn't have anything on the going concern emphasis of matter, and that's primarily because in those particular years, the outcomes were driven by our discomfort around the going concern principle, where we felt it wasn't supported or adequately um, you know, uh, documented documented in the, in, the, in the financial statements and hence it, it formed part of the modification. In subsequent years, um, despite best efforts of management to deal with the disclosure requirements, 
we still know certain concerns because when we look at the operations and the nature of of of, of how the entity is, is faring its business, we are concerned that it's still incurring significant losses. Um, the cash flow situation is decreasing. Um, Honorable Chair would note that in the year that the qualification was removed, which was the eighth year, um, was the year in which the institution received a bailout of approximately 3.2 billion. However, that money was uh, provided to the institution to go and implement certain initiatives that they had committed or promised. Um, and uh, if one looks at the nature of the operations being the ability to generate revenue and the ability to also manage cost, we find ourselves in a situation um, that we'll uh, elaborate on a little bit later where they are still um, you know, incurring a lot of cost that exceed the revenue that they are able to generate, meaning that the entity is incurring significant losses year on year. And if that happens, it means that you are then eating into those reserves and whatever cash uh, was was given to you in terms of the funding and the situation then does not become sustainable because once the bailout and uh, the funding that was received as a result of the bailout has been uh, depleted, what then happens because your own operations are not able to sustain your 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 business. So that's the importance of that material uncertainty on the going concern. And then the other ones, Honorable Chair, I'm highlighting to the users that in some of the balances, management has applied significant judgment. So uh, when we did the audit of those particular balances, we didn't have a, uh, necessarily an audit concern, but because of the significance of those balances and the fact that management applied judgments, we then highlight the users so that you can make an informed decision and understand the institution based on those judgments made by management. Honorable Chair, um, the, the report on compliance with legislation, Honorable Chair, would also note that for the past five years, there's always been a, a, a significant reporting in the audit report in this regard with regard to financial statements and performance report. Honorable Chair, honorable members know um, that the PFMA bestows a certain uh, amount of responsibilities on the accounting officers and accounting authorities. Uh, one of those responsibilities is to prepare accurate, reliable, and complete financial records that are aligned to your financial reporting framework. So if you are qualified, it means that there were certain gaps in your financial statements and thereby also meaning that uh, the financial statements presented for audit therefore did, did not meet that compliance requirement and hence we include that particular uh, non-compliance paragraph. But we'll deal with it a little bit later in the in the report as well. I've spoken a bit about sequence management. I'll deal with the other ones as and when we deal with the detail of the presentation. Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, um, you would have noted from the table, I took quite a, a bit of time to talk us through how the table, the information is contained in there and how it flows. The, the following couple of uh, uh, slides or, or, or uh, you know, uh, pages that we were flight will just give a little bit more context in terms of those crosses that we were seeing in the previous uh, pages. So the first one we'll deal with is the qualification paragraph. I think we've spoken at length about it, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members, the irregular expenditure, the opening balance, management's inability to make sure that what was disclosed in the financial statements is accurate, complete and reliable uh, because of the root cause of uh, not having appropriate and sufficient uh, documentation uh, to determine you know what 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 the what the adequate disclosure should be uh, there are some root causes that drive um, this particular problem um, we we noted some inadequate training of staff in a supply chain management environment 
and we are very careful to use the words inadequate, um, honorable chair, honorable members, because management does do certain training, but the training does not seem to yield the necessary desired results. So therefore we still have to flag it because you can't train and you're still in the same situation. So we, we fully acknowledge and appreciate that there might be some training that's happening, but uh, it's not adequate at this point in time to deal with the concerns that, that are being raised. Then there's also the issue of capacity in the sense that the head of supply chain management has actually been vacant for quite a, a, a while now, honorable chair. If I'm not mistaken, it should be two to three financial years. And this is also contributing um, to the slow progress in, in, in strengthening the internal control environment insofar as it relates to supply chain management. And then, Honorable Chair, I also sp mentioned this when I spoke to the consequence management aspect that, um, you know, there are investigations that are conducted by management, but we are concerned with regard to the slow progress of these investigations. Um, and this, ideally, like I mentioned, uh, should be uh, done in order to quantify the irregular expenditure and to deal with this balance. And then also, more importantly, to make sure that we are able to implement consequence management. And I think we've, we've, we've put a, a sort of a warning sentence there at the bottom of, of, of this particular page. Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, we've all seen over the, the, the recent past that the longer these processes take, the higher the risk of non-completion because people resign, people moved, and the documents, I mean, four or five years, if you can't find a document, it becomes a little bit more pro problematic. Your chances of finding documents and tracing them are higher, um, you know, and, and, and being able to respond to them if, if you respond a little bit quicker. So what we would recommend is for management to really uh, apply the necessary haste in terms of, of, of finalizing this process. It's a process that's been ongoing for three years now, actually a little bit longer. If you, if you take into account the regular expenditure has been qualified over the past five years, but with specific reference to the opening balance, there has been now a two-year process that would ideally require uh, some form of, of, of speed or, or urgency in, in, in its finalization to effectively deal with this balance, um, honorable chair, honorable members. And then also the filling of the head of supply chain management. And then once we have the supporting evidence, we trust that this will facilitate the process of consequence management. Emphasis of matters, honorable chair, honorable members, I've already spoken to the going concern, explained why we are highlighting the going concern uh, because of the unfavorable ratios that we were identifying as part of the audit. Um, the, the revenues keep declining, Honorable Chair. We'll, you'll see a graph now that we've included in the briefing note. Uh, the cost base, even though it's it's decreasing, it's still not decreasing at an appropriate rate that would make sure that uh, the, the sustainability of the, of the organization is taken care of. And the other emphasis of matters, I explained that these are just uh, for mere benefit of the users. On the compliance paragraphs, uh, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, I also explained the, 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 the requirement in the annual financial statement. There's a relevant section there in terms of what they were supposed to have uh, complied with. Um, root cause again, um, action plans, um, they, they, they have been quite uh, involved in this journey over a period of, of time. And it's not even the, the necessary desired results because it's, it's not being finalized. Expenditure management, I did explain the refinancing, the regular expenditure that you are disclosing, you know, the, the institution's inability to to not have uh, been able to prevent it is then highlighted as required by uh, Section 51 of the PFMA. Um, we did speak that it's uh, primarily coming from all the previous year's balances. Insofar as it relates to fruitless and wasteful expenditure, which is one maybe I'll highlight that I haven't touched on earlier, in the middle row of the, of the page, Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, um, the, the, there was, uh, uh, I think it's about 20 million of, of, of fruitless and wasteful expenditure that was incurred as a result of interest incurred on late payments. And then also on a, uh, a lease agreement where the institution paid for a space that was unoccupied. And this has been the case from 2016. 
So um, those particular, uh, you know, lease payments were then deemed to be fruitless and wasteful expenditure. And we also, um, likewise, uh, you know, employ management to appoint the head of SCM, uh, make sure that um, they implement full and proper internal systems of internal control uh, to not incur fruitless and wasteful expenditure as well as irregular expenditure. Uh, consequence management we've also spoken about. Um, Section 51 of the PFMA does require the accounting authority to go and um, you know investigate these instances of fruitless and wasteful expenditure, irregular expenditure. And um, again, honorable chair, honorable members, I'll mention explicitly again that the institution may be doing some investigations and some of them might be linked to operational processes. But what we are interested in as office of the AG are those that pertain to the financial statements. So the uh, fruitless and wasteful expenditure. So if you incurred fruitless and wasteful expenditure this year, we'll give you a gap year as office of the AG and then come next year and say, well, you've had a year now as the counting authority uh, in terms of the responsibilities required by the PFMA to go back and do the, the necessary required investigations. Treasury has issued specific guidelines on this. So uh, the, the guidance is clear in terms of what is required. And in the absence of us seeing um, any of these investigations, then uh, we then report that consequence management uh, may not be instituted as required by, by the PFMA. And again, it's a situation where the institution, in the absence of those documents, they would not know where to start and effect uh, uh, those consequence management. So they would really need to finalize whatever other processes they were engaged in in terms of the records management. Strategic planning and performance management, Honorable Taylor, have also seen it at the summary table. This was uh, a slide, I, I, I want to refer to it as nonsensical, but I don't want to seem like I'm unnecessarily whipping the institution. But um, there, were, there, there were a couple of smaller sub-institutions uh, for which decisions had been taken appropriately to deregister the institutions. But in the interim, whilst those other processes are ongoing, um, as a year end when we came, the institution was still on the books and the records of, of the SABC. SABC Foundation was then, in terms of the planning processes, required to have also submitted its strategic planning documents to be approved as part of the group's uh, overall, um, you know, as strategic planning documents, and that wasn't done um, uh, in, in in this event, uh, resulting in that non-compliance. It's also one of those that either you did it or you didn't do it. You can't go back and fix anything and resubmit. Uh, you you are required to submit it at a particular point in time, and so therefore, if there was any form of oversight at a particular point in time, then uh, the non-compliance then remains. On predetermined objectives, honorable chairperson, honorable members, the previous financial year, the SABC actually did not have a finding on its um, strategic uh, and performance reporting in terms of AOPO. Um, in the current year, unfortunately, it regressed. Uh, we selected the strategic goal of content and platform for audit. And this material indicator that we looked at is the percentage of local music that was broadcast on PBS radio stations during the performance period. And uh, the institution reported 76.7% as achievement. However, we were not finished with the reporting after supporting evidence in terms of what was reported. And uh, consequently, uh, we're not even able to check whether any adjustments are necessary to what is reported. We just, uh, it's, it's, it's basically a limitation on this achievement, honorable uh, chair, honorable members. In Regular expenditure. Um, so far as it relates to irregular expenditure, honorable general members, we've already spoken about the fact that the irregular expenditure uh, is the driver for the for the qualification. However, in this particular segment, we highlight specifically the amount that was incurred in this current year compared to the previous financial year. So there is a reduction in the irregular expenditure incurred year on year, which is uh, might be construed as a, as a good thing that they're moving in the right direction. However, the balance remaining is still worrisome and would require management's uh, uh, attention in this regard. 
A lot of it is also as a result of some of the old contracts that were entered into the previous financial year for which we are continuing to make payments. However, we can't just continue saying, well, it's an old contract. Uh, whatever contract is three, four, five years, so you'll continue uh, disclosing irregular expenditure in your financial record. So there, there also needs to be some form of, um, you know, a concomitant action in terms of how these instances are actually then also dealt with. Um, then the hundred and whatever million, the two hundred million honourable claim, um, as per standard operating procedure when we present the scope, um, we try and give a little bit more. Uh, context as to what informed the, the balances of the irregular expenditure that was incurred. Of uh, what is some fact for us um, still uh, is the fact that if you look at the driver's incorrect evaluation criteria applied to birth, is still a significant drive for the amounts despite the improvement um, and the deviation. So uh, engaging in inappropriate deviations or deviations that are not always uh, reasonable and or justifiable um, uh, when we assess the reasons that are being advanced for management. Um, so obviously, honorable chair, honorable members, the legislation does allow for you to deviate, but at the point in time of deviating, you need to make sure that you've yourself and you've documented your reasons and that they are reasonable and justifiable. And um, obviously the auditors, when they come a year down the line, after you've made your decision, they only have your evidence to work on. And so we, we raise some concerns. You can see it's a, it's a concern that's flowing through as well, um, as well as uh, payments that are made without contracts. So we, we do acknowledge the fact that the balances have reduced significantly, but you'll see the root causes or those particular same type of instances are still uh, following forward that would require management to look at them. Um, we've spoken about um, some of the, the internal control deficiencies uh, for both years. This is internal control deficiencies for both years. Uh, we've spoken about the deviations that are not always aligned to the requirements and the inadequate monitoring and the cleaning element as well. Um, the fruitless and wasteful expenditure I touched on a little bit earlier, honorable, honorable members, uh, this just gives the detail. The 7 million related to the interest on, on late payments, and then the 11 million was more on the on unoccupied office space where we were paying a lease, uh, paying for uh, a certain portion of the office that was not, not occupied. Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, we recall that as part of the uh, AGSA's journey to assist in the process of transparent reporting and accountability and good governance, where the PAA amendments, um, where we now uh, are able to report on material irregularities that were found um, to have, uh, you know, an uh, institution have not, has not complied and uh, it meets certain criteria in terms of, of re having resulted in material loss or misuse or loss of a public resource or harm to the institution or the public at large, uh, we are able to uh, affect the, the steps uh, as included in the three circles below. So we can either refer it or we can recommend action uh, in, the, in, the, in the audit report or issue remedial action, binding action to the accounting officer if uh, the recommendations are not implemented. And then ultimately, if all else fails, then uh, the issuance of certificate of debt. And so far as the process relates to the SABC, um, we did irregularity about two years ago um, and uh, related to uh, a security service provider where the contract was awarded to the bidder who did not score the highest preference points. Um, obviously, the SABC then looked at the, as part of the investigations, what transpired and what resulted in this particular instance. And the matter was also uh, referred and there seems to be an SIU process but the SABC has challenged the method. It, we reported on it last year as well. And um, because it's still in court, um, we'll uh, uh, note it for, for follow-up in the next uh, coming um, audit, um, Honorable Chair. In the interim, uh, 
the service provider is at least uh, providing the security services uh, as required. The issue then becomes, are you actually overpaying for the service that you are receiving or not? That's just the, 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 the incremental portion that, that was the cause for concern for, for a reason of having selected the better who did not score the highest preference point. Honorable Chair, in the interest of time, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the, on the turnaround, uh, turnaround plan. Um, the turnaround plan was just included to demonstrate the concern with regard to the financial sustainability and viability of the institution. Um, so what we would do, uh, Honorable Chase, recommend to oversight structures such as yourselves that when you engage with the institution, please ask them specific questions around the turnaround plan. Uh, they must be able to substantiate and support whatever initiatives they are reporting as uh, achieved or in progress. Uh, because obviously we will say, well, you paid all your creditors from another point of view. We're happy. We don't see any issues with your creditors. But in your turnaround plan, you would have put yourself certain milestones in terms of when you would have wanted to pay certain uh, creditors or when you would have uh, liked to park some of them or how you would have liked to structure your, your debt management and your debt recovery processes. So that would be just to also maybe just ask them in case they, they, they get an opportunity to also come and brief the, 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 the oversight committee. What we do highlight, so as mentioned earlier, is our cause of concern is around the, the financial sustainability and the utilization of the 3.2 billion grant that was uh, given to the uh, institution in 2019, like mentioned earlier. The reason why we highlight that, Honorable Chair, is as also mentioned, uh, the institution continues to uh, incur operating losses. They are even forecasting that over the next three financial years, they'll continue to incur losses. So if you're incurring losses, it means that uh, if, if we may take a step back, it'll be six, seven, eight years where the institution has not been able to show a profit um, and that surely um, must raise some alarm bells in terms of its financial viability. And then they're still continuing to also project negative operating cash flows. Um, in, and that means that, like I mentioned earlier, the operations are not uh, generating sufficient cash to pay the short-term uh, debtors as and when they arise. And then, um, on this particular slide here, I'll just, in, in concluding the, the, the financial viability discussion, um, you'll see the cash declining, the uh, uh, bailout that was that was uh, uh, assigned or allocated to the institution. So the importance of that then means that once this cash has been depleted, what, what the question will then be what next? Um, the revenue, you can see the declines from 2019 to 2021. Although expenditure has been decreasing, which is a good thing because it means you are implementing sufficient cost containment measures, the rate of it has not been to the same rate as your reduction in revenue because you will see you are decreasing your expenses with 3%, but your revenue is dropping at 5%, which is more than what you are able to contain in terms of your cost. So that results in your loss actually increasing year on year. Honorable Chair, we've spoken about the status of internal controls. I've tried to sort of give pointers as we were going through the presentation. Um, we are still concerned with regard to the record-keeping processes as well as uh, uh, you know, the ability to comply with key laws and regulations. As you would have noted, the paragraphs included in the audit report as well as the table on page four. Um, then, Honorable Chair, you spend just two minutes uh, on the recommendations that we've issued. So in terms of the recommendations to management, we really advocate that management really conclude the process on the irregular expenditure. I've, I've spoken at length at, 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 on this particular topic in, in page four, um, and I've highlighted the importance there because it impacts a number of processes that are required to then ensue, like your consequence management, as well as then even then their, their own ability to go to the national treasury and ask for condonation. 
and then the implementation of the turnaround plan and the strict monitoring thereof we've spoken about, and then the, the, the internal controls, proper reviews over the performance reporting, financial performance reporting to ensure that valid, accurate, and complete uh, reporting um, um, is facilitated, and then the consequence management as well by, by completing these ongoing investigations and making sure that the investigations also uh, comply with the requirements of the PFMA. Insofar as it relates to the committee, so uh, we will ask some 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 indulgence and and, and uh, some 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 efforts from the committee as well. So from the committee side, uh, like we mentioned, uh, the qualification, if they can deal with the qualification, um, then immediately you, you've seen on page four, there was an improvement in terms of the number of qualification areas. Uh, and then also in terms of robust engagements, when they come and brief, um, uh, that they don't, don't come again with another turnaround plan or initiators that are different to the turnaround plan they submitted. Because remember when they asked for the 3.2 billion honorable chair, honorable members, they made certain commitments and certain promises in terms of how those funds will be utilized to make sure that the institution becomes a viable and sustainable operation going forward. So it's important that the, uh, we, we, we interrogate those in the successful implementation and the monitoring of, of those initiatives committed uh, initially when we when we allocated all these significant funds to the institution. Honorable Chair, Honorable Members, that is uh, our side from the SABC. I do apologize. I say I did take a little bit uh, longer than the allocated time. We'll take questions or input or comments. Or alternatively, I'll be guided by Chairperson if we are going to take all comments at the end of all the presentations. Thank you, Chair. Well, thank you very much, uh, Andres. Uh, the chair has uh, just apologized for a short while. He's going to be back. Uh, for the time being, let's, uh, let us deal with matters that relate to questions, because this is um, uh, the briefing in preparation uh, for such hearings in as far as these uh, institutions are concerned. But uh, there is indication uh, on uh, some areas uh, of a positive movement, though there are areas which uh, relate uh, to uh, some form of sustainability, which ought to be assured, and 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 therefore our uh, a questioning and our own interest in terms of probing is to uh, seek to understand those uh, uh, kinds of uh, areas. Uh, is there anyone who has a, a comment question? On the presentations, uh, on the gadget, I don't see a hand raised. Uh, let me check on my phone. Oh, there is uh, Mazamban. Mazamban. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, um, and good morning to everyone. Um, I hope I'm not upside down. Um, the camera keeps going off. Oh, there you go. All right. Mr. Chairman, through you, the, um, the AGs made the point, um, I suspect not strongly enough, but he did make the point about a concern about SABC being a going concern. So the, my question is, is, is indeed the AG happy that the SABC is a going concern? If it is classified by the AG as not being a going concern, what are the implications then for the board um, in terms of the legal requirement to, 
to that require to be followed um, when 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 an entity is no longer a going concern. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I see no other hand except for um, the one from Honourable Um AG. Uh, thank you, thank you, uh, Honourable Chair. So, uh, from 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 our side, Honourable um, Chair, Honourable Chair uh, would call that really, yeah, and I suspect uh, the the comment made by uh, Honourable um, Lee in so far as us maybe not being strong enough. Um, is driven by 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 two factors, honourable chair. So the first one is honourable chair, like I, I explained a little bit um, earlier on. If one looks at the the going consent principle, how we assess from the audit point of view, um, honourable chair, honourable members, is at the time of signing the audit report or the the latest or when you choose or of the financial statement year end. So if we take the financial statement year end is thirty one March. Of the of the annual year end, and then by the time we issue our audit reports, as the office of the AG, it's, uh, usually or the it would be the 31st of July. So by the time we sign our audit report, we take a step back and then we say, as the office of the AG, looking at management's financial statements, looking at their operations, looking at the key ratios and the key drivers, the revenue, the expenses, the liabilities and the assets. Do we feel based on that assessment, the going concern assessment, uh, that the institution would be able to sustain itself for the for the for the foreseeable future? So the foreseeable future in terms of the auditing standard honorable chair is defined as up until the next audit cycle. So when we look at it, we look at it to say, well, today, will they at least be here by next year when we need to come back and do the audit? And if that's the case, then you tick it off. So honorable chair. Informed by the process, the assessment that was done by management, uh, first as required by the legislation, and then our assessment of management's, uh, or our evaluation of management's assessment, we were satisfied that uh, the going concern principle was met at the point in time when we've signed the financial statements. However, because the, the, the compliance side of it was met, there are still these unfavorable indicators and hence why we've included uh, quite a significant portion or dedicated quite a significant portion of our presentation to talk about, for example, the fact that we are highlighting on here the material uncertainty because we see the, the ratios do seem to indicate a declining trend in terms of the resources available to the institution. So in short, Honorable Chair, when we did our assessment, we were satisfied in terms of the going concern principle that that was met in the previous financial year. However, we do in, in, uh, highlight to the to the oversight structures all these unfavorable ratios and trends and these declines that are happening because that could certainly pose us a problem for us that, uh, that is required to be dealt with proactively. Then I think the, the, the next question would sort of become, uh, I don't want to call it irrelevant, but I'll still explain it because now I've explained it, there are a going concern. But in the event, had there not been a going concern at the point in time when we did the audit, honorable chair, honorable members, 
The implications for the board uh, would have then been to start certain processes. There are processes that are clearly outlined in the Companies Act, uh, which is also applicable on the institution uh, that sets forth the liquidation process that must be engaged in by a particular board. But we all know that that process is influenced by a number of other factors. But there is a board decision that is clearly um, um, uh, prescribed in the, in the relevant legislation, like I've outlined, and we would have just assessed had they really then started instituting all those actions as required by, by, by the Companies Act, had that been the situation. Thanks, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members. Thank you very much, uh, Andres. Uh, Honourable Les, are you, are you okay with the, with the reply? Thank you. Thank, you. thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yeah. Uh, thank, you, thank you very much. I think uh, what, what, what they have uh, sort of created is some form of a, 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 a standard form um, which hi- highlights a, a number of areas which should be our focus uh, when we have those institutions. Uh, uh, when we deal with their annual reports um, and, and finalize their own hearings. And, and those areas are going to assist us to probe even further uh, post the audit as, as how far um, are they standing uh, on the indicators, uh, whether slowing down or low down or improving uh, on those critical areas. I think, I think the question which Honorable Les has uh, asked is carried through um, in even in other uh, related entities that we have received uh, uh, their audit so far. Are there any other questions, colleagues, so that we can uh, move forward? One, two, three, four. In absence of such, uh, so the 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 AG team, uh, you. You, you are you are currently true, not so. Oh, there's a Andres. Are you okay? Yes, Chairperson. Um, are we are we moving on to the next presentation, Chair? Yes. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Chair. I think we will then take the colleagues from uh, National um, E-Chair, where the colleagues that are responsible for Alexco. They'll give us a, a quick brief in terms of the audit progress and the audit status for the, for the benefit of the committee. And then we will go back to the order as was initially assigned by um, Honorable Sengwa at the beginning of the session with your permission and indulgence. Uh, thank you, Chair. I'll hand over to Fumulani Rabona. Okay. Are you no longer upside down? <laughs> no, Chair. Uh, no, I managed to fix uh, the challenge. It was uh, just a, an accountant trying to be an IT specialist, specialist there. And let me apologize, Chair, and uh, to the honorable members of the committee for that uh, technical teaching there earlier on. And also appreciate uh, uh, being allowed to go back and fix that problem. And now I think uh, things are in order now. Chair, uh, you will see that uh, from the Alice Co side, we do not have a presentation or a write-up in terms of the message. And the reason for that is that, uh, unfortunately, the financial the financial year ended 31 March 2021 are not yet finalized uh, as the associated of an audit that's ongoing now. There have been uh, some serious and significant delays on the audit process, which started in mid-July uh, with the late submission of the financial statements by Alesco. And uh, since the audit, the audit in July, there have been uh, multiple uh, adjustments to those financial statements. Uh, the feedback that we got from the audit team is that uh, they, were, they have so far audited about uh, six to seven various different versions of the financial statements. It's also worth noting, uh, uh, Chair, that uh, 
Alex Ko is the auditor for Ngubane and Company. It is not the auditor of the AJSA. Our, our role is the AJSA as a, the public sector auditor is to oversee the audit and uh, support the, the audit team in terms of monitoring the audit. But the accountability and the responsibility to conclude the audit and sign off is that of a one company. So th- th- that the feedback that we have come up to so far, uh, I'm also joined here by uh, Megan Naidu, who is the audit partner from one company. In case there are follow-up questions with regard to the uh, to the message around the delays on the audit chair, uh, let me pause here and invite comments and questions from the committee. Thank you. What, what questions now and comments? What, what is the presentation? No, uh, I, I mean, uh, on the message that we've given that we do not have the presentation because the financials are not ready. Uh, they are still subject to an audit. So uh, in case the honorable members have a question around that particular message. Okay. Thank you. Okay, okay, okay. Honourable Lewis. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, I mean, there's very little we can say except just to ask. I mean, how many 67 versions? What is going on? We we joked about it being upside down, but it seems to me that uh, it's just mixed up. Um, uh, yeah. Um, can, can the the the, the um, audit audit partner who's actually dealing with um, Alex could perhaps give us an explanation as to what the delays are and and the, and I think that the question about going concern and director um, obligations on this one are, are probably real and 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 very serious. Um, I, I last visited Alex Gore probably seven years ago, and it was a disaster then. Um, perhaps this is this. There's a need for us to to do a, an oversight trip, uh, Mr. Chairman. But perhaps the the assigned auditors can give us some sort of indication of what's going on with the audit um, and the fun, the production of the financial statements. What are Alex Gore saying about? these multiple financial statements. Okay. Okay, okay, this. Um, can we give over to you, uh, Pumlani and your team? Uh, thank you, Chair. Uh, through you, Chair, let me invite uh, Maganetu uh, to then uh, respond to the question. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Fumulani. Chair, can you hear me okay? We can hear you and see you. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to maybe correct uh, something there. It wasn't 67 versions. It was 627 versions. So roughly six or seven versions of the financial statements. And I think, so, so let me start with where we are in the process currently. So, uh, I expect to be in a position to sign off um, the financial statements by the end of this month, the end of February. Right now, we're at the very back end of the three risk management processes that we go through. 
namely uh, the review by our technical in the firm, a review by our engagement quality control, and then of course our review by the AG. So we're at the back end of those three um, risk management processes, and I expect to be in a position to sign off by the end of them. I think in terms of the delays, um, obviously having uh, many changes to the financial statements uh, takes takes up quite a bit of time and of course lengthens uh, the risk management process at the back end because uh, and I'm sure the AG will will attest to this is that what we try to do is give everybody a quality set uh, or a set that is of high quality so we don't really send the first or second versions uh, you know that we get we try to make sure that everything is up to standard you know the the process uh, lengthening um in terms of just addressing the comment about a going concern um although the financials are not finalized as yet i will just make the point that alex core uh, has made a profit uh, for the 2021 financial year uh, and in terms of profitability, the 2021 financial year is much better than the 2020 financial year. Thanks, Chip. No, fine. Uh, your last comment is, 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 is made behind the risk of uh, not finalized uh, financials, where the detail would be of necessity uh, to track um, wh whether uh, such gains are normal gains, ordinary gains, genuine gains, uh, last uh, uh, longing uh, gains. So uh, we would, would have to, would have to await that process, um, yeah, so that we're, we're not necessarily led to believe uh, that indeed uh, they've made that profit. So, so, so uh, I think you, you underline the fact that the financials are not finalized. So, so, so though there are signals, uh, you see, that's, that's it. Correct. That's right. Honorable uh, Lies, are you okay? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. We, we await the, um, the, report by i think it was the the end of of this month was it uh, maybe i didn't listen carefully but um would it be tabled in parliament at the end of the month can you confirm that uh, i think from honorable list some are taking that this would be a report tabled to parliament end of the month or the finalization still talks to other things so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I will be in a position to sign off the financial statements uh, at the end of this month. Uh, in terms of reporting to Parliament, I'm not sure whether that, uh, you know, if, if I end up signing off in the last two or three days of this month, obviously that, uh, you know, wouldn't be possible. Who is responsible for, uh, for, for, for such realization? Uh, well, of course, it's a board uh, and accounting and accounting uh, officer of the of the institution. 
you are on the financials. Through your chair? Yes, yes, uh, Mulani. Yeah, just to assist. So once the auditors sign off, then that will be subject to the AGM that the shareholder needs to uh, arrange. And then approves that the minister will then need to come to parliament to table uh, the annual report. So uh, the, those processes will then be reliant on the DPE processes. Uh, we understand uh, uh, because RSS company, as soon as the uh, financials are sent off, they need to make sure that there is that uh, AGM and then post that the table with parliament. Okay. So, so at least financials will be through end of the month and then would we'll await the internal processes in the institution, uh, which will uh, somewhat uh, to lead to the tabling of such uh, to parliament and will await that process. Uh, meaning, meaning, therefore, uh, if you want to pressure anybody, would have to pressure uh, uh, the executive authority and, and, in fact, the board of, 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 of that institution. Thank you very much. Uh, 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 next presentation. Andres. Um, good morning, Honourable Chair, Honourable Members. Sorry, I now jumped in before Andres could introduce me, so I'll just introduce myself. My name is Kunai Meiber. I'm the business unit leader for the unit that is responsible for uh, PMTE and Public Works. So um, thank you for this opportunity to... Apologies. Thank you for this opportunity to share with you the outcomes and to brief you on the PMTE audit for 2020-21. I'm going to ask Apanduli if you can just um, flag for us the presentation, the briefing document. And we can continue. Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, Courtney, may I have the host give me rights to share my, on my screen because I currently don't have the rights. Um, Chairperson, if the right to share the presentation can just be given to Apanduli. Uh, so don't be Ben. Ben, can you share can you share the, the rights? I'm trying to find an option here. I don't know why I don't seem to find it. We've given the rights to a pendule. She can share the presentation. Given the right, there it comes, the guaja. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, up until we can go to page four and we can start there. Thank you so much. Um, so, Chairperson and Honourable Committee, if we look at public works and PMTE, and we've included public works because it's the same um, management structure, it's the same environment, so um, we thought we, we just reflect on public works as well, while we then also focus on, on PMTE. If we look at the audit outcomes for both the department and the entity, we see that over the last five years, there was actually stagnation. With the department being financially unqualified, um, with findings both on compliance and performance information, and then the PMTE 
having improved in 2016-17 from the, uh, where they had to disclaimer to 2017-18 where they were then qualified. But they have since been qualified and weren't able to move into the position of being unqualified. They also have a number of non-compliance findings and um, up to 2019-20, they also had findings on performance information. From 2020-21, the findings in terms of their performance information was included and reported under public works. Um, we, however, need to note that PMTE historically were always um, qualified on the asset register, specifically where the extent of the properties were not accurate. And that resulted in the valuation of the assets not being appropriately reflected in the financial statements. Through their actions and initiatives, they were in a position to correct that. There were also misclassification in the past of assets under construction, and they also managed to, to address that. For the current year, however, we, we've identified leases um, and had findings on leases in prior years. However, in prior years, it might not have resulted in a qualification. For 2020-21, when we audited the leases, it was um, materially misstated. And it was basically as a result of um, lease contracts information that is not accurately and appropriately recorded on the occupants, which is the system that they use. So we've seen that amounts that would have been included in the contract is not what is being captured on the system. And therefore, whatever they would um, pay the landlords will might be in excess. In some instances, it was underpaid. And then we've also seen that um, in some instances, they would have contracts, but that contracts will not be captured on the system at all. As a result of them not monitoring and reviewing their contracts and making sure that the information is accurately captured, we did identify that payables, the amounts that they are liable to pay, was overstated by $450 million. And as this was raised in the past, uh, there was action plans, but these action plans, although it could have resulted in improvement, wasn't properly implemented and it wasn't monitored. And because they didn't focus on these actions to improve the qualification, um, it actually became worse than in the previous year, resulting in qualification. Our recommendation was to say, if there's audit action plans and they must manage that and they must monitor that and they must make sure that it is appropriately implemented so that they can achieve the desired outcome and improve on the accurate reporting. They also need to look at the population. Seeing that there's information in the, in the contracts that is not accurately captured on the system, um, they will have to go back to the entire population, make sure that contracts that is still valid, that the information on those contracts is captured on the system, and that they maintain that information and therefore going into the monthly reconciliations. Contracts come to an expiry date, so they need to be aware of those contracts that need to be renewed. When there's renewals, there might be changes in the agreement conditions and they need to make sure that they continuously update that so that there is accuracy in the amounts that they pay, pay to their um, landlords. This also had an impact on the receivables. 
was they would collect information from um, the user department. And if they use it based on incorrect information that is captured on the system, they're also not going to manage their receivables appropriate. So we can see that there was material misstatements of 534 million rand in terms of the receivables for leases. And that were made up of various mainly overstatements, but also an understatement, where we see that the accommodation debtors um, is, is not accurate, and that was overstated by 17 million rand. Prepaid expenditure expenses in respect of the leases were also overstated by 190 million. Prepaid expenses um, for the implementing agent was 15 million rand understated, and then the revenue recruitment that is recoverable as a result of the leases was overstated by 342 million. We assess the root cause as being the same, being that the action plans that they had in place to address these weaknesses in how they manage leases have not been properly implemented and monitored. And the recommendations is the same because if they fix on the one side, it will also assist on, um, on the receivable side, and thereby making sure that the action plans are implemented, monitored, actions are, if they see they're falling behind, that they then um, course correct and make sure that they implement the correct actions. Look at the population and then also the monthly reconciliation of leases um, that will keep the information up to date. Audit of predetermined objectives, as I indicated for the current year, um, all the findings were reported under the, the department. But similarly here, we see that since 2015-16, they have had uh, modified outcomes on the performance information. The information, uh, so it was disclaimers up to 16-17 and then qualifications from 2018-19 up to 2020-21. What we've noted with the predetermined objectives is that these systems to collect information, to monitor that information, to make sure that the, the information that they report is valid, is not appropriate. And we have found instances where they would have reported, uh, for instance, job opportunities created, but then there will be no supporting evidence to support what, uh, they, what they are reporting. Then we would also found that there is evidence, but the information of those jobs created were not included as part of their achievements. And that just shows in terms of the overall process and system of managing performance information is, is lacking and is not sufficient to make sure that information is accurate, valid, and that when we test it, um, we can confirm that it is valid. If we look at the compliance to legislation, there is a number of non-compliance that we have identified throughout the years. Um, for both the department and the entity, we've noted that the financial statements uh, were not prepared and there was, well, for the department, there was material misstatements. And because they've um, corrected those material misstatements, they were in a position to still get the unqualified opinion. For the trading entity, they didn't prepare the financial statements in terms of the required framework. They didn't correct or couldn't correct the misstatements on the leases, and therefore we did report on the qualification on, on leases. There's a number of expenditure management 
findings that we have raised for both the department and the entity. And what we see for the um, expenditure irregular findings is that for the year, for both the department and the entity, the amount incurred was less than the previous year. So we can see for the department in 2020-21, they've incurred 5 million rand of irregular expenditure compared to 83 million in the previous year. For PMTE, they've incurred 82 million in the 2020-21 financial year, but they've incurred where they've incurred over 340 million in the previous year. However, what we do see is that the closing balances increased, and that is a concern in the sense that we don't see evidence of investigations of consequence management. So the year was less, but it is accumulating, and therefore it is it's increasing. For the department, the five million was relating to appointments that they've made in prior years that was irregular. Um, those contracts have since come, came to an end, but it, there were still payments made in the 2021 financial year, um, which incurred the five million irregular expenditure. Then for PMTE, we did a bit of a breakdown to say that where does the 82 million come from and what is contributing to that? So we've identified that there was approvals that was made um, outside the delegation um, that or they didn't get the appropriate delegated authority approval. There was um, functionality points that was incorrectly scored. So there would be um, companies that is qualified as a result of um, that is qualified despite the fact that they've made the functionality points. And then there would be companies that go through in terms of the further processes of appointment, which didn't make the functionality points. We also see that incorrect procurement processes were fo followed where either they didn't get the number of quotations that is required or they didn't follow a proper tender uh, process for amounts more than half a million. And then we've already spoke about the irregular appointment of officials. So similar to the public works, there was also 3 million rand irregular expenditure for officials that was appointed irregularly. Then we also have um, non-compliance with the tax requirements where they were supposed to get uh, proof that the, the company's tax is in good order and that was not obtained. So besides the irregular expenditure that was disclosed and reported in their financial statements, there is also a note where there is one point yeah, one billion rand, one point five billion rand that is currently under investigation and where it's being assessed to determine whether it is irregular expenditure. It is where there was variation orders about fifteen percent of the initial contract amount. And those variations weren't approved by Treasury as required. So they're currently going through the process of getting more information and then to, uh, to see whether it is then indeed irregular expenditure. For fruitless and wasteful expenditure, uh, we've noted that for both the department and PMTE, they didn't incur any irregular, uh, any fruitless expenditure for the 2020-21 financial year. However, uh, same concern that we have with, with the irregular expenditure. The balances year on year 
remained exactly the same. So there was no movement, meaning the investigations didn't happen as it was supposed to happen. People weren't identified to be held accountable. That money wasn't uh, recovered and it, it's just growing. So this year they didn't have a fruitless expenditure, but if there's more fruitless expenditure, um, we're going to see just the continuous increase in fruitless and wasteful expenditure. So I'm not going to go. Okay, so then we have asset management. Um, we also have raised the uh, material irregularity where there was a financial loss due to assets not being properly safeguarded. It is a requirement of the accounting officer to make sure that they safeguard assets. And in this instance, we did see that there was an asset that was um, left unattended and it resulted in uh, a material financial loss. Then revenue management is linking to the to the leases, not collecting all money due to them. Consequence management I spoke to in relation to what we see for irregular expenditure and fruitless and wasteful expenditure, where despite not incurring fruitless expenditure or that much um, in terms of the irregular expenditure compared to the previous year, we couldn't find evidence that there is investigations in, in place and that they are following through on the necessary um, consequence management. I think then we've also raised procurement and contract findings, and that is talking to some of the things I've already mentioned. We quotations weren't um, obtained, tender processes weren't followed, where the um, uh, yeah, let me just see. There is um, minimum qualifying the functionality criteria where the, the um, a, a person who applied or a company that applied was disqualified despite the fact that they've met the functionality score. And then in the other instance where they didn't meet the minimum qualifying score, but yet they were allowed to go through to the next um, assessment round. And then we also had findings on local content where the specifications were not stipulated um, when they've advertised and then and then when the quotations came, those service providers also didn't submit the declaration in terms of the value of the local um, products that they have in the in their uh, submission. So from there, I would like to, to refer to the material irregularities. Um, for public works and BMTE, there is seven in total. So from the seven, um, five is relating to BMTE and two is relating to, to public works. So for BMTE, we have the Bait Bridge and we have two in relation to Bait Bridge. So the first one for Bait Bridge is where we've seen that there wasn't a fair procurement process when they've appointed the service provider to uh, construct the, the fence. They didn't go out to the market to test whether rates are reasonable, whether it's in line, or if they can even get somebody that is um, giving the same product at the, at the better price. And as a result of that, when we've tested some of the items and compared to what is in the market, we did identify a likely loss of 17 million rand, uh, where as a result of them not following a fair and open process, considering other service providers as well. 
We are in the, um, assessing management's commitment. We have assessed it as being appropriate. We also know that the SIU is involved and is um, also assisting in the recovery processes. So we are monitoring those and we are keeping track on those. And currently we still assess it to be in progress. Um, and the commitments to be appropriate. We also, in addition on the bait bridge, when we've compared the Bill of Rights compared to the internal memo from the Department of Services that they've required, we did note that under Bill of Quantities, they included um, establishment costs and which should not have been included. So because there wasn't proper monitoring and the review of what was provided by the service provider, it wasn't picked up that this establishment cost um, should not be paid by, by the entity. So as a result of that, we've identified 1.1 1, 1 million rand as a likely loss for the bait bridge where there was fees included in terms of the establishment cost that wasn't in line with the bill of quantities. We also have Leuco Prison, and this is the one where we refer to in terms of the non-compliance of assets not being safeguarded. Um, there was a service provider that was appointed in 2012 to do work at, at Leuco. Part of that responsibility was to um, implement or to install boilers at the prison. The service provider didn't... Um, provide the services as required in terms of in terms of the timelines that was agreed on. And in 2015, the contract was um, suspended. In 2016, a new contract um, service provider was appointed. The new service provider then made an assessment because these boilers were left on the premises and they've made an assessment of the condition of those boilers. And because it was left unattended, opened, it wasn't covered up due to the extreme weather uh, conditions. There was erosion to those uh, boilers and that resulted, according to the assessment, then, uh, to uh, a loss of 1.8 million rand. Uh, we do say that it remains the responsibility of the accounting officer to make sure that assets safeguarded. Initially, it was in the first service provider's contract to safeguard the assets, but they abandoned or they were off-site um, for quite some time until um, the contract was then ended in 2015 and, um, and then the new service provider being appointed in 2016. So it was almost five years that those boilers were standing there unattended, unprotected, and then resulting in this um, financial loss. We have assessed the accounting officer's response and we did find it to be appropriate. Um, we will look at the, the actions will then talk to making sure that the control environment improves so that future losses don't incur, um, that the losses be stopped, that they recover, that they investigate and identify um, accountability so that they can then recover. And looking at the response and the commitments made by the accounting officer, we did see that all of those required steps have been um, committed to and we are monitoring those and we are assessing those to see whether it is being uh, implemented as committed. We have then also raised the, the notification or issued a notification on a lease overpayment. We spoke about it. Um, there is also the qualification on the leases. Um, similarly, the, the board or the entity continued to make payments in excess of the agreed amount and that overpayment 
resulted in a 10.9 million rand uh, likely financial loss. So we didn't see any um, initiatives or any action from the entity side to stop the payment, to make efforts to collect that overpayment, and therefore we then raised it as a financial or as a material uh, irregularity, and um, gave it to the order uh, to the accounting officer to then investigate and to stop the payment and to collect. This is a. a material irregularity that was issued in the current year, the 2021 financial year. We have received the accounting officer's responses and um, similar to the other, based on what we've received, the commitments made by the accounting officer is sufficient. We are then in the process of monitoring those. There was also a construction extension on the Mamalori Magistrate Court. So, um, there was various instances where there was delays and there was a request to extend the contract, both in terms of the amount as well as in terms of the planned end date. So the contract specifically stipulates that um, a contract cannot be extended in terms, can be extended in terms of the time, but the amount cannot increase where the delay is a result of strikes and riots. So there was different reasons for the request for extensions, but included in the reasons was also strikes and riots. And yet that was still um, approved in terms of both extending the, the period uh, of this um, contract, but also increasing the amount. So we've therefore raised it as a financial loss of $3 million. And the reason why we stated that is because the person who was delegated to sign that contract had to make sure that the conditions of the contract is being met. And that wasn't done because if there was proper review of the contract conditions uh, compared to the request for extension, the person would have identified that it's outside the requirements of the act and then could have prevented that loss. And that was... Um, approved and also paid. So the three million was already paid. There is two material irregularities for the department. The one is on state funerals, where we've noted that there was contract agreements for two years. Um, there was a specific requirement from the service provider that the amount be fixed for the uh, different items that they would provide. And when we've audited it, we did note that they didn't always um, pay according to that tariffs. They would have paid more. And there was also sometimes instances of items that has been added that was not necessarily included in the agreement. And that resulted in an overpayment of, of $8 million. We, we know that that is being investigated and there is internal processes around that. So for that one, even though it was raised in 2019-20, we are assessing it, we are monitoring it, and the actions permitted to is currently still in, in progress and still sufficient. The one where we did the follow-up and uh, where we initially said the accounting officer's response is sufficient, but through our follow-up and monitoring, we've realized that those commitments are not acted on, is the material irregularity that we've raised in terms of the state events. So it's a similar case like the state funerals, where they would arrange state events for um, other countries, um, 
visits to the uh, summits that is being held by by South Africa. And similarly to the state funerals, we've seen that amounts would be in excess to what they would have agreed to. And we would see that they would claim for items that is not necessarily part of, of the agreement. Um, so that was a, a loss of 825,000 rand. As I say, when we followed up on the commitments, we did know that uh, the commitments is not necessarily implemented. We couldn't find any evidence that the investigation that was um, committed to has commenced. And therefore, we then went in terms of our process to the next step to say, we've allowed the accounting officer the opportunity to implement the commitments that he made. In the absence of evidence of that, our next step is then to make recommendations that is binding, and those recommendations were included in the 2020-21 audit report. And we are in the process of then evaluating. We've received the accounting officer's responses um, a, a week back. So it's recent that we've received the responses back on, on those recommendations. And we are currently in the process of evaluating those. Those are the irregular uh, material irregularities that we've raised for both the department and PMTE. I think throughout we were talking about the drivers of the internal control, which is also then the, the root causes. And I think what is then standing out is in terms of the leadership, effective leadership culture and the oversight responsibility. We always talk about the tone from the top and the the culture that is being set by leadership, a culture of um, having um, controls in place, preventative controls in place, making sure that there's corrective actions, that there is monitoring, um, that where there is irregular expenditure, there is investigations, there's follow-up, there is people that is being held accountable. And we didn't necessarily see that. And I think it's being supported by the, the qualification. It's supported by the performance information outcome. It is supported um, in terms of the non-compliance that we've identified, where we noted that the monitoring, the making sure that action plans is being executed, implemented, that that is not in place. Um, and that is then the, the main reason for uh, the root cause for them being in this position where um, outcomes has stagnated. We have made recommendations to the accounting officer. So those recommendations would be in terms of making sure that they monitor and review um, the controls around the leases, that they enhance the controls, um, monitoring over internal audit, that internal audit also play a role in terms of performance information. Um, the, the entity is not always um, keen <laughs> to include internal audit, but we do believe, and our message is always to say that this remains management's responsibility to make sure the information that is reported on performance information is accurate and complete. And therefore, to assist management, um, it is advised that maybe internal audit can do some reviews to give management that assurance that information is accurate, Alternatively, um, I mean, any other monitoring process can be included, but it remains management's responsibility to make sure that they do monitor the information, they validate the information, and what they include in their performance report, they can substantiate with the necessary supporting, supporting evidence.
And then obviously we have made comments in terms of consequence management, where it is critical um, for the department to be more um, deliberate in their actions, in their consequence management actions. We've seen it in irregular expenditure. We've seen it in fruitless and wasteful expenditure. Uh, we, we see it in the material irregularity that we uh, now have included recommendations in the audit report that that is an area that really needs some attention. If we then um, look at for the committee, we, we've just mentioned to cite the resolutions, but to be a bit more specific, um, it's to look at the action plans. If the action plans by the department is not being monitored, is to follow through and get feedback on how those action plans are being implemented. And then there was a number of commitments from the minister that is talking to holding people accountable, getting detailed um, analysis of the leases. And for the committee, it will also be beneficial to, to monitor those um, commitments made by the minister that will drive a better audit outcome and that will drive accountability within the, the department um, and the entity. Chairperson, um, just before I conclude, we did do some work on uh, the sectors um, the, and specifically we had some messages in our general report on leases. So if the committee will allow me, I'll just quickly focus on those public work sector messages that we've raised. So first of all, we've seen that in the sector, the same um, outcome is there that the outcomes remain unchanged. So there's also a message of stagnation in terms of the outcomes. The Western Cape was unqualified with no findings. And then we had PMTE and Northwest that remained qualified over a number of, of years. So some of our key messages, and I'll start with, with the budget. Um, what we see with the budget is that the budget is not focused on maintenance. Um, looking at the entire sector's budget, we see that less than 20% of the sector's budget is um, allocated for maintenance. Then we have like 36% on infrastructure, which is the new buildings, and 37% on leases. So with the budget is driving an over-reliance on, on leases and less focus on maintaining buildings, making sure it is safe for use and that um, it is being maintained um, throughout. So that is the first concern that we've identified, and it is something that we've recommended to the sector and to the ministries to say there must really be a real look at the budget to make sure that it drives what the PMTE is responsible for or the sector is responsible for, and making sure that there is less reliance on, 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 on leases. We have seen that there is a number of projects that is significantly delayed. And if we speak about significantly, it's more than two years. There is like 120 projects that is PMTE is responsible for that is delayed for more than two years. And within the provinces, there is 146 projects that is delayed. I think we all know and have heard about the Northern Cape Mental Health Hospital. It's been delayed for more than 14 years. It is now being concluded, but it's one of those projects that just continued, um, you know, scope changes, increase in prices, and as a result, um, 
the service and the benefit of that building didn't um, didn't get to finalization so that the, the citizens can benefit from a project like that um, institution. In terms of maintenance, we, we do see that there's a number of buildings that is being um, categorized as unfit for use. So they look at the condition, and when the condition is 20% or less, the building is being classified as unfit for, for use. We do see that for PMTE, despite the fact that some buildings are classified as unfit for use, 1,440 of those buildings are still being used by user departments. Um, in Limpopo, there is 275 um, buildings with a rating of less than 20% that is still in use. I mean, that is just um, a, a, a risk to the people that must use those facilities, where it's really unfit unsafe for use. We did know that in some instances it is schools that is being um, categorized in that category and yet they are being um, used. We've noted that there is a number of unoccupied buildings which is fit for use um, but then isn't used by PMTE and within the provinces. So, and then they go into leases. So we've seen that there is 1,239 buildings that is fit for use. And then we see that there is 2,300 leases um, that is being paid on a monthly basis. So some of the reasons is that those buildings, although it's safe to use, doesn't meet the user department's needs and therefore it is not used. The department do, however, have a strategy to say that they need to uh, lease out those buildings, but it's not something that is being actively pursued and we don't really see that those unoccupied buildings is, is, is being leased out. And then... Um, We've also seen that there is a, um, a number of month-to-month -month leases. So they would continue, not well, contracts will come to an end, and then there will just be an extension of that lease and, um, contract on a month-to-month -month basis. We have seen the um, Armscore building has been on a month-to-month -month for 17 years, the impact of that is that um, they continue to increase annually the, the lease amount of 10%, whereas um, there's an approved rate of an increase of 5%. So if they enter into a new contract, they can bind and sign on the 5%. But now with the old contract in place being extended on a month-to-month -month base, they actually pay much more than they would have if they would have just entered into a new contract. So um, it's actually money that would have been spent and used much better. And it's enriching um, somebody else, whereas they do have buildings that they can maybe occupy themselves. Whereas if they pay what they are, uh, are supposed to pay in terms of the agreed rates, then um, there will be more money left in terms of also to spend on, for instance, maintenance. So it is something that in terms of the commitments from the minister's side, uh, there was a person that was um, appointed to then specifically do a review of the contracts, of the current contracts, and then also identifying overpayments, um, month-to-month leases, so that that can be 
corrected. Um, Honorable Chair, thank you so much. Um, I think that is the end of my presentation. We will then um, open up for questions. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, uh, for that presentation. Um, from the AGES side, it's, 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 it's really uh, quite detailed and extensive. It deals with matters which uh, affect the current conditions, mainly on the property side is owned by government and the ability to maintain such and to budget appropriately for sustainability of such buildings. Um, is there anyone who would want to speak on the matters raised by the Auditor General? Uh, Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just um, th there was quite a lot of detail right towards the end of the presentation, which I didn't see in the in the document. Um, is it possible to get that detail? Um, there were lots of numbers and so on. I, I'd really appreciate if we could get it, or perhaps I'm missing it somewhere in the document. That's the one point. And then the the question, there seems to be a, a real concern a, around the ability of either the department or the entity to safeguard assets. Um, so my question really is there, that that concern when when was it raised with or was it raised with the department and with the entity um, because the my concern is that the one of the prime assets for the country um, partially burnt down a month ago um, and so we we have a, an example now of an asset which clearly wasn't properly safeguarded. Um, and, and so I'm just trying to sort of establish when this concern was raised by you as the AG with the department. Um, and then the question of the Bikebridge border fence, you've, you've looked at the, the losses that have been incurred there. Again, in terms of safeguarding, um, uh, my understanding is when we visited that that debacle nearly two years ago now, I think, if I'm correct, um, there were already multiple um, holes through the fence and, and the asset was clearly not being protected. And I suspect that if we were to make another visit now, there would be very little left of that, that fence. Is that is that the responsibility of of the department or the entity, or is that someone else's responsibility in terms of safeguarding that asset? Thanks, Mr. Chairman. Chairperson, if. Can I continue? Can can continue. I was just checking whether is there anyone else who would want to speak. Just like yes, only honourable yes. We'll continue. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, in terms of the detail, um, it is included in our general report. 
um, that we've issued um, towards the end of last year. So I will um, arrange, we can arrange to, to get a copy of those, that report um, to, your, to the committee so that the detail is then also available. In terms of the safeguarding, I think I'm going to ask my team just to respond um, to this. So this were reported as a non-compliance to the department, and I'm referring to the one instance that resulted in a material irregularity, but um, there would have been other instances as well. So the non-compliance would have been communicated to the department and to the entity. So maybe um, up in Delhi, if I can ask you, maybe just when was that communication issued, if you are familiar with that detail. And then um, the department and the accounting officer will be responsible to safeguard assets that is under his control and that is in the PMTE's asset register. So the defense, in my understanding, um, but I'm, I will be supported by my team as well, the defense, in my understanding, is is the, that of defense, um, the Department of Defense, and not necessarily the asset of the property of uh, BMTE. And therefore, once they've constructed it, it would then go over to where it is, um, where the responsibility lies. But Abendili, maybe if I can hand over to you just to indicate when did we issue, you know, findings in terms of safeguarding of assets, and then um, just also confirmation on the safeguarding of defense. Thank you. Um, thank you, Karne. But I'd like to first give an opportunity to Siabonga to comment on the matters raised, and then I'll also add my contributions. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Apendule. Uh, good morning, uh, colleagues. Uh, my name is Siabonga. Maybe just to respond uh, on the question raised. Uh, the previous uh, audit, uh, we, we've raised a, a concern on the safeguarding of uh, bolas, uh, which is one of the MI that was raised uh, as uh, as my business uh, executive uh, has presented to say in in one of the local prisons. Uh, we had some of uh, the assets that were supposed to be safeguarded uh, during the, the construction phase. However, they were they were left. Uh, not attended, which resulted then in a, a material irregularity rate. So there was a finding of that nature which was raised, which resulted in a material, in a material irregularity. And then in terms of the uh, big bridge uh, fence, uh, through the uh, the engagement uh, when we raised an issue or, or rather an, an MI on it, uh, the issue of safeguarding defense uh, came about uh, where then it was a uh, it was seen that uh, uh, department, uh, the, the defense, uh, the, the the department of of defense, uh, since they, they are they are there, uh, sort of the, the soldiers which are there on the ground will be uh, looking to safeguard uh, those fences. However, the, the that uh, project was handled by PMTE since PMTE they are the one responsible to 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 to. They are the custodian of the of defenses uh, and is recorded in their books. Uh, however, then uh, the safeguarding of it was a responsibility of the defense in that case. However, all the uh, properties that are within the control of uh, PMTE, they are responsible to safeguard uh, those assets. For example, the, the parliament, it should be the responsibility of, uh, of PMTE to safeguard those. So they should be within their control. Thank you.
Um, thank you, uh, Chapisin. Just maybe to be direct as to when the issue of safeguarding of assets was communicated. It was communicated uh, during the 2021 uh, uh, audit period, and uh, subsequently we then assessed it for material regularity requirements, and uh, after which we then issued the notification. Um, thank you, Chapisin. Uh, okay. Um, Honorable Listo, are you satisfied? Um, not entirely, Mr. Chairman. I just, uh, so let's just deal with the notification on safeguarding assets. So that was during the 2021 audit, and, and that I, I understood already. But I'm looking for a, an approximate date. Um, when when were those? When was the management letter issued with that in it, or when did such a meeting occur? Was it a, six months ago? Just give us some indication there, please. Um, be more specific. And then there's some obfuscation taking place here about the responsibility for the fence. Um, as as the AG, I would like you please to be more specific. If you're saying that the Department of Defense um, was responsible. On, on what basis are you saying that? Was there a formal agreement between the department um, or the entity and the Department of Defense? And have you seen such an agreement? Or are you just taking the word of some, some officials in, in, the, in, the, in the department? Um, on what basis are you claiming that the the soldiers were, are, were and are responsible for safeguarding the, the fence. Okay, uh, AJ? AJ Jim? Thank you, Chairperson. So in terms of the finding that was issued, um, I don't have in front of me the date when the, the um, actual finding would have been issued. But we signed the audit report around um, end of October, and we would have then issued the management report during the same time. So the management report, end of October, I don't know um, if the team has had a look at, at the date of the actual finding, but it would have been prior to that, that that finding then would have been issued. Um, can I ask, um, See uh, if we can just respond in terms of whether there was, uh, you know, evidence in terms of the agreement between defence and BMTE, whether that was part of the, the review. But what I do want to confirm is the fact that what is within the PMTE's asset register, they are responsible for. So if defence is included in their asset register, they will ultimately remain responsible to make sure that they monitor if there's an agreement, that they still monitor that that agreement is being um, adhered to. Sia, maybe if you can just indicate whether you do have a date of the cough and then if you've seen the agreement in writing between Defence and BMTE. Uh, thank you. Uh, in terms of, of the actual findings, uh, 
even though I might not have the exact date, uh, so when was it raised? But I can confirm that uh, initially the finding was raised in 2020. Uh, I'll try to get the actual date where this issue was initially raised, and then in the and then in the 2021 financial period, that's where then the follow-up uh, uh, was made relating to the. To, 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 to this finding, and then we ended up uh, communicated formally in the management report of 2021 as a, a, a business executive indicated that it was issued in, in September. But in terms of the actual date of the COF, uh, we'll have to get back uh, and get the actual date. But it was raised as early as possible because from the 2020 financial period, the conversation around this issue was already taking place where we had to follow up until it becomes a, a material irregularity. And in terms of the defense, uh, uh, we, we haven't uh, sort of have a document which will then stipulate exactly to say uh, the uh, the bridge offense uh, it is the responsibility of the defense uh, so we don't have anything in writing that we, we can present uh, friendly okay, uh, yeah uh, I would just get back to the business and get the hand thank you. Uh, do you want to add anything? Sorry, Chairperson. Yeah, maybe with your indulgence, um, can we come back to you? I mean, let us just go back to the actual date of the communication or finding that was issued, and then we can also um, just follow up in terms of the agreement that was referred to. So if I can ask your indulgence that we then come back to you with the um copy of the general report that I referred to, as well as the date of the letter that was issued, and then the confirmation of whether it is in writing the agreement between the department and the Department of Defense. Thanks. That's it. Uh, are you happy with our colleagues? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, is, there, is there any other any other person, colleagues, want to speak on these matters? Uh, it's left. It's left with us to think to read more on those matters. I think uh, honourable police have raised the relevance of this report in terms of the assets uh, of the state and uh, their uh, condition currently, as as to how they are covered in terms of the. A departmental plan uh, for maintenance and the lease conditions, the contractual relations, and all those matters uh, are of interest as raised by the uh, this current audit. Um, I think. I think. Uh, uh, next presentation. Honourable Chairperson, um, Honourable Chairperson, um, the next presentation will then be for the compensation fund. Uh, my colleagues from our system business unit um, dealing with the audit of the compensation fund are also in the room. I'm going to introduce um, the team. I think they are led by Ms. Michelle Magerman. Um, they will then also then oh, yeah. articulate oh, yeah. the yeah. oh, Ms. Kabo, Ms. Kabo Kumapi is also here. 
who is the business unit leader for that particular portfolio that takes care of the of the labor portfolio in its entirety. Um, Honorable Chair, members, I'm going to hand over to Khabar, who will do the introductory remarks, and then as well as directors in terms of who will do the presentation. Uh, with your permission and indulgence, Chairperson, over to Khabar. Um, thank you so much, Honorable Chairperson. Um, I think the last presentation from the AGSA will be the Compensation Fund. But before we get to it, I just thought maybe let me just touch a bit on the UIF. Um, the UIF is not yet finalized. Um, they submitted financial statements way um, after the Compensation Fund. So they came on the 30th of September. Um, we've done the work. We've issued a draft report yesterday to them. So what is left is for um, the last finalization of, of the audit. But I, I just wanted to highlight that one of the biggest challenges we encountered in the UIF would have been the 57 billion of, um, of the tears. Um, I think it came as a, as, as a big um, quantum to deal with um, for us. And we end up having to go to some of the um, companies um, just to try and follow up um, the nitty-gritty of where the money would have went. And I think once the audit is finalized, we would come back to the committee and just share um, in terms of what we found. You remember that we issued um, first report, first special report, and the second special report on the test. And therefore, this audit was primarily trying to network all of those two reports and make sure that we follow up on all of those key elements that we put on the table as red flags at that point in time if those red flags are materialized or not. So that would be the, the UIF. So it should be finalized by end of February um, as it stands. I think we'd be good to go along those lines. Uh, for the compensation fund, um, Chair, um, again, I think it's just a highlight. Um, we, we disclaimed them um, for the financial year 2020-2021, which would make the ninth year um, of them getting the, um, the disclaimer of opinion. And you remember before the, begin the commencement of this nine years, so they would have had two years of adverse audit opinion preceding that period as well. So we are extremely worried about um, the compensation fund. Yes, we engaged um, the leadership of the fund, including the leadership of the department around our concerns. But you also put them on the, um, we phase them in as part of the, um, the material irregularity. Um, and then we could highlight some of um, the material losses that they encountered just due to the process not being in place. Um, you would see that the messages that we've been uh, putting on the table for the past eight years or nine years, um, some of those things are still coming through, if, if not majority of them. And I think that the biggest challenge with the fund is just the transparency of reporting, um, the ability to retrieve information data, the ability to reconcile, and therefore make sure that the finances and the financial management of the fund is transparently um, dealt with. And I think that's one of the biggest things that our teams had to deal with. So with your permission, Chair, if I may just pause there and allow Michelle um, just to take us through the presentation, then we'll come back again and just um, appreciate some of the members' comments or questions, if any. Thank you, Chair, with your permission. Go ahead, Michelle. Thank you. Uh, thank you, um, Kabo. Um, good morning, uh, Honorable Chair. Good morning, Honorable Members. Uh, I am going to take you through the compensation fund uh, presentation. Um, I hope that it is visible. I did try and make it uh, quite big um, so that um, you are able to, to follow through. Uh, the first few pages, um, I have included a brief overview of the operations of the compensation fund. 
uh, so that as I go through the presentation, you also uh, appreciate the different areas of business that uh, some of these um, findings that we're raising are impacting. Um, and when I come to the root causes, um, we, we will be able to see that um, it, although uh, we are expressing accounting terminology, but it really is about how operation is functioning and how um, how it, important it is that all role players within the compensation fund uh, do their roles and do their data responsibilities at it, as it is reflecting um, eventually on the on the outcomes of the compensation fund. I've also included some of the benefits that the compensation fund uh, provides uh, for, for claimants, um, um, just for, for, for also your, your indulgence. I do have the audit opinion um, history. Um, as I was already um, indicated, it's been a disclaimer for, for many years. Um, and noting that a disclaimer means that you could not provide sufficient appropriate evidence for many of the um, accounts that are disclosed in the financial statements. Uh, I've also included a disclaimer journey history. Um, you can see from 2017 right up, up until now, 2021, uh, that we have quite a few uh, items in the financial statements that have been qualified uh, in terms of not getting appropriate um, audit evidence. Um, Committee and chairperson, I've included um, a summary of the, the audit report paragraphs as well, uh, so that you are able to track the, the paragraph to the explanation. So that the items that are in italics is from the audit report. Uh, what I will be talking to is where the, the numbering is, where it gives a, a, a summarized um, indication of what, what exactly is uh, the audit report paragraph stating. So if you look at uh, revenue, I'll just go up a bit. Uh, revenue from non-exchange transactions and statutory receivables. Here, it's mainly on the, the, the employers, um, how the employers uh, register on, on the compensation fund, how the employers are assessed, and how then uh, they are followed up to make sure that the compensation fund receives money. And unfortunately, we were unable to, to get a supporting documentation for the employers that have submitted their returns. It is critical that we get the supporting documentation to determine the nature of business of the employer, to determine the earnings of the employer, and to determine when the employer started or if the employer exists, uh, for us to then recalculate whether the, the amount that is disclosed by the fund is complete and accurate. And unfortunately, we were not able to, uh, to get some of the documentation that we requested. Uh, in, in, on the other hand, we also looked at whether the compensation fund is, uh, is invoicing all the employers or if they're checking that all the employers have submitted the ret return on earnings so that they're able to charge. Um, and we realized that some of the employers that are registered uh, on the compensation fund has not necessarily uh, provided uh, the compensation fund with the return on earnings. Um, and also they have not uh, been assessed as an estimate uh, so that they can be charged uh, at the correct rate and classes. We also noted that in the financials themselves or in the general ledger, uh, that where an employer now uh, two years later comes and submits information uh, and you recalculate the return on earnings, it is important that if the, if the, the earning relates to the prior year, it needs to be charged in terms of the accounting framework in that prior year. And if it's in the current year, in the current year, and we noted some errors in that regard. 
So in terms of the, the employer contributions and how uh, employers are being assessed, uh, we are, are seeing that um, this whole process is not necessarily as adequate as it should be. Um, and mainly it's because of uh, getting the return on earnings, making sure that you're classifying uh, the employers correctly, making sure that you're charging them correctly and having that filing system where you can be able to retrieve that information uh, when it is required so that it is being able to be verified. In terms of benefits, uh, here for benefits, we could not get a listing uh, for all the claims that were paid that agrees to the financial statement. So yes, we can extract from the system, they can give us some, some listing, but we're unable to reconcile that. That makes it uh, uh, not, not possible to, to, to even audit because you cannot even rely on the listing that is provided. Um, further to that, uh, the, 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 the fund is required to also provide for future claims uh, that can be claimed um, in, in the future. So you need to almost estimate your, your, your future liability. Um, and unfortunately, the figures that were, were, that were utilized to calculate uh, this provision, uh, we could not also rely on it. Uh, the figures had some quite a, a few deficiencies in them. So the data that you need to, to determine your trends, to say that in the future, this is how much I'll possibly uh, claim looking at the trends of the past or looking at um, uh, some um, estimations that can come through, we could not get that. Uh, that, that data had quite a lot of uh, deficiencies uh, that that uh, that uh, that limited us from being able to conclude that it is uh, reliable. In terms of payables, uh, payables are very similar to to to, to the claims as well. Uh, some of the supporting documentations could, could not be provided. There were there were letters uh, um, there with, with credit balances uh, that that we needed to verify to make sure that yes, you do owe the data. Now they're sitting with the credit balance, but we could not necessarily recalculate that and get the supporting documentation. For investments, are uh, very similar to to prior prior years. Uh, for investments, we could not get appropriate audit evidence to validate data to perform the, the, the valuations. Um, and so some of the, the unlisted uh, investments are preparing in different financial frameworks. So they're using IFRS, uh, the, 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 the CF is using Grab, uh, and therefore there needs to be a reconciliation or some kind of way to, to, uh, con to convert that information from the different framework into the Grab standards. Uh, so that um, it's, it can be easily brought into the financial statements. Um, the fund also doesn't have processes, so uh, some of the, the, the associates brought uh, their management accounts, uh, but for you to rely on those management accounts, uh, there must be processes to, to make sure that whatever it is that your investors are giving you, it is complete and accurate. Um, um, yes, that you can get your, your audited financial statements that we did not uh, receive, uh, where we are getting management accounts from the, the, the investors, uh, we need to make sure that uh, that information is complete and accurate so that um, uh, we can then rely on the figures that are there. And unfortunately, we could not get um, all that information. In terms of the prior period era, um, if you look at our opinion, the history, we've had the disclaimer opinions for quite a number of years. Therefore, it is important that uh, all of the errors that we have found in the prior years, they do get corrected um, in the current year. Um, unfortunately, for quite a, a number of those areas that we had disclaimed in the prior years, uh, we did not get supporting information to, to, to 
uh, to, to support that these errors were then corrected. In terms of your contingencies, uh, this is where you, re where you record that you've got uh, any uh, legal claims or lawsuits that are against um, uh, the fund. Um, we could not uh, get appropriate evidence to support some of the contingencies that are there. Uh, some of the contingencies um, were not even disclosed um, uh, correctly. Uh, some of the, the contingencies were already uh, supposed to be paid. Um, and, and we could uh, we could not see that move from a contingency into a liability. And in some instances, uh, most instances, we could not uh, get the, 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 the information to substantiate some of the, the legal claims there are against the, uh, the, the compensation fund. In terms of irregular and fruitless and wasteful expenditure, uh, there is an opening balance on the uh, irregular, fruitless and wasteful expenditure. However, in some of those cases, the, we could not get um, information uh, to substantiate uh, the, the, those irregular expenditure. Um, most of the, the, the information, they, the, the, the fund, because of the record keeping that they have, uh, they cannot give us some of the evidence to show that the irregular expenditure um, is, 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 being, um, is being dealt with and what is supporting that irregular expenditure. In terms of the cash flow statement, uh, we also noted differences in the calculation in the cash flow statement. There was a various errors in the cash flow statement calculation uh, where uh, cash item, uh, non-cash items were also um, in included and the re-performance of the cash flow statement uh, just uh, had quite a number of differences. Uh, risk management, what is required here is that we are supposed to disclose in terms of the grab standards, your, your sensitivity in terms of some of your financial instruments, for example, your debtors to say uh, how sensitive are they, what is your risk in terms of credit. Uh, we've we had quite a few errors in that in terms of uh, what is sitting in the financial statements, what is sitting in the records, how are you uh, assessing your, your sensitivity and what is ultimately being disclosed in this disclosure notes for risk management. In terms of the principal-agent relationship, um, the fund did not disclose the PIC as a principal-agent uh, relationship, uh, even though the, the, the PIC is acting on behalf of the fund in terms of the investments. In terms of related parties, we also had quite a number of differences between uh, what the, 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 the Department uh, of Employment and Labor um, is saying that the, the, the transactions within the, with, with, the, with the compensation fund and what the compensation fund has. Uh, so where the department is, is paying, for example, salaries on behalf of the, the fund, this related party transaction needs to be disclosed. However, getting to the right amount um, and, and the support for that, uh, we could not obtain from, from the fund. In terms of predetermined objectives, we've had, um, we've had findings throughout the, throughout the years. For the current financial year, we audited the program three, uh, which mainly talks up to your medical invoices, your pre-authorizations and your high value and complex cases. Uh, for this specific, uh, for this indicator in the main, we could not get supporting documentation uh, for some of the areas that we, we requested information from. Um, if you look at the medical invoices, here it talks about uh, 60 days of receipt of, of, of medical invoices. Uh, when we went back into the system and we asked for information, uh, some of the information was dated even after year end, um, and therefore we could not uh, recalculate the 60, day, 60 working days in order for us to, 
be comfortable with what the fund is reporting. Um, in terms of uh, pre-authorization, this is very similar um, to the, the medical invoices uh, to say what, what, when is this pre-authorization pre received uh, and when is it finalized within the 10 working days. Um, some of these are emails that are correspondence between the, the, the fund and the, the hospitals and um, and in the medical service providers. So it is very important that uh, there is a diligent process that is implemented from uh, the provincial offices uh, right up until uh, the head office to make sure that what is being received is, is, is recorded somewhere, it is filed somewhere. Um, if somebody puts in that they've received on a specific date, uh, there is a process in place uh, for, for, for anyone else to come in and follow to say, if you say that this is within 10 working days, when did you receive it? When did you authorize it? Um, and how is that uh, um, resulting in the, the, the performance reporting? Similarly to the high value and complex cases, it is very important that the correspondence from the hospitals is received so that you are able to say that this is a high value and complex case um, uh, and, and, and provide that audit evidence and then also show that it is done within the seven uh, working days and that information when we received it uh, it's either it was not received at all or when we received it we could not necessarily recalculate uh, the, the days uh, that, that are that are supposedly being reported. And we are talking about the root causes to say that the, the proper poor record keeping is, is within the fund. Uh, not all the role, role players are keeping the supporting documentation. Not the, all the role players are, are reviewing uh, the reported achievements to ensure that there are supporting evidence and schedules. Uh, and we are saying that there must be an alignment process between what is supporting and the reporting of the, the, the um, annual performance report and these uh, management must review uh, the annual performance report um, and they must uh, they must review it against the supporting documentation so that we are they can be able to 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 prevent and detect any errors before they submit the the annual performance report for for audit in terms of compliance with uh, legislation, uh, so all the findings in terms of the performance information and the financial statements also result in the non-compliance of the PFMA. Um, and, and the first one is, is on the financial statements that the, the, the financial statements had material and various material statements that were identified. Uh, in terms of expenditure management, uh, we did identify, and I'll come to the irregular footless and waste flow in the presentation still, uh, where we did identify some of the some um, irregular expenditure, uh, which is, was mainly caused by non-compliance with the treasury regulations, um, as well as and wasteful expenditure, where there was interest and late payments, as well as share costs and legal costs, mainly as wasteful expenditure because of the public entity not being utilized economically. In terms of consequence management, uh, there's quite a number of uh, cases currently in progress. Uh, these cases, uh, we are not, they're still in progress, uh, so we're not seeing them being finalized. Um, and we are saying that these need to be finalized and we need the support. So some of them where they say they are doing consequence management, where we do ask for information, we are not getting the support, uh, the appropriate audit evidence uh, to substantiate what it is that, that is being done in terms of consequence management. 
Revenue management, this primarily talks to the um, uh, charging of the employers and making sure that you, you collect uh, your revenue. So whether employers um, have not submitted the return on earnings and you are estimating, it is critical and it is required that these um, the, the fund goes and, and, and make sure that they collect uh, this revenue. Procurement and contract management, we did identify two contracts that were extended without uh, approval, um, appropriate appro approval, and then we also have payments exceeding the contract value amounting to, to $3 million. So just on the regular expenditure, if I, if I, if I go down, um, so that we, we did see payments uh, of, of about, uh, for about three contracts. It's your IT contract and your, your, your paper. Uh, your printing paper, that those contracts, uh, where they exceeded the contract value. Um, and also in the prior years, there was a contract that was uh, canceled. Um, and um, the reason for canceling was not, um, was not uh, necessarily uh, provided. Um, and um, this, this contract um, resulted in an irregular expenditure. Uh, the filters and wasteful expenditure, this mainly is, and I think this is, uh, you'll see when I do the material irregularity, uh, this is a, it, it, it a big amount because of the interest. Um, if you don't do your medical service providers, the hospitals, they will charge you interest because they, they are waiting for their money, they've invoiced you. Um, and if you are not uh, uh, reconciling your claims properly, if you're not reconciling um, your claim, uh, your claim against what you already uh, paid, um, and therefore you miss uh, paying the invoices. Um, usually, your service providers will charge you interest, and they will take it to court. Um, therefore, resulting in you uh, getting the the, the present wasteful expenditure because you should have avoided this if your processes were in place. Coming to the material irregularity uh, irregularities, we raised two re uh, material irregularities. Um, so the fund is implementing the MI. Uh, we are continuing with the implementation of the MI process. We raised two material irregularities. Um, the first one was uh, Comsol, who instituted a legal action against the, the fund, uh, as the fund did not pay uh, some of the, the invoices. Um, and even, even after the, 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 the fund was, was provided 75 days to, to pay the invoice, uh, they still could not reconcile and, and make sure that Comsol gets paid. Uh, so we issued that uh, material irregularity due to the, the interest that was charged. There was also um, duplicate uh, payment that was made to one of the one of the hospitals. Uh, and in this instance, the, um, although the, the hospital has agreed to, to, to pay back the duplicate payment, uh, we did raise on the amount that is outstanding. So not the full amount has been paid back to the fund. We've issued the MI. Um, the investigation is um, said to be finalized on the 31st of March by the accounting um, uh, authority. Um, so we will follow up uh, when that date comes um, and, and then we will then be able to report on whether we um, are comfortable with the, the action that was taken or not, or, or not taken. And then we'll take the, the MI process forward um, depending on the outcome and the conclusions that, that, that come from there. In terms of the uh, internal control deficiencies, um, so if you look at uh, the, the, the compensation fund, all the main areas in terms of internal controls, what should be there, we, we did give a, a read. And we are saying that in all the key areas of making sure that the financial statements and performance reports are complete and accurate, 
uh, there needs to be um, improvement. Um, and internal controls uh, cannot uh, cannot necessarily function if, if, even in the back in the background. You don't have a control environment that is is making sure that um, everybody's doing their job properly. So your performance management and your accountability framework should be working um, with you when you're implementing your internal controls as well. Um, so if you look at the internal controls, we're talking about leadership. Here we're saying that leadership did not ensure that there's effective uh, preventative and detective controls in place to enable reliable reporting and compliance with the legislation. Um, as well as the, the, the preventative controls when preparing financial statements. Um, action plans um, action plans uh, were not monitored. Uh, they were not effective. We've had recurring findings over, over the years. Um, and then proper record keeping, uh, which, is, which, is, which is a key one. There must be a process in place for record, record keeping, especially in an environment where uh, support from hospitals is key, uh, support, uh, support to make sure employers are registering and they're registering the correct, uh, the correct information, that is key. So your, your record keeping processes needs to be in place and there needs to be a proper uh, system that, that everybody is following. Um, and then also making sure that when you're preparing your performance reports and your financial statements, that they are being reviewed, uh, they are accurate and complete. Uh, daily and monthly processing and reconciliations, these are key, uh, looking at the amount of invoices um, and the claims that are coming through and invoices that are being paid. Uh, this is very key process within the daily, daily processes of the fund where reconciliations should be done um, on a continuous basis and they must be reviewed. Uh, compliance monitoring, making sure that you comply with the with the with the with the relevant legislation. This was not um, adequate as well at all. Uh, internal audit committee. Uh, we are saying that um, the information that that is being submitted to to audit committee um, is not uh, uh, accurate. Um, so management must make sure that they 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 they, they check the, the information that is submitted so that uh, internal audit and audit, audit committee is effective. Um, and then for the fund specifically, the, for about four months of the year, there was no audit committee in place. Um, for the better half of the year, yes, there, there was, uh, but uh, quite a, a few months in the beginning, there was no audit committee. So we met with the, with the fund, with the minister, with the leadership, and we are saying that there is still an urgent need uh, for the fund to review its control environment, uh, including the role of, of management, and also to strengthen those preventative and monitoring controls and identify deficiencies early and react appropriately. So there's definitely still that need. We did communicate it even in the priors. We're saying oh, you, you need to go in and, and identify uh, what, are, what it is that, that needs to be done in terms of the control environment, making sure that everybody does their job. Uh, monitoring and adherence to controls must be enforced. So yes, you, you will go and you will uh, relook at your control environment but it needs to be on the basis that it's monitored, uh, there's performance management, uh, where there are transgressions, these are acted on timelessly and responded, and the root cause is responded to timelessly as well. And then implement the controls for reviewing um, and reviewing. So once you've got the control environment, what processes are there, you need to determine which review processes must happen. Your internal audit as well comes in. Uh, your leaderships must, must, management must review um, all the reports that, that, that they're signing off on. And definitely consequence management, where there's transgressions, you need to make sure that those consequence managements take, take place. 
uh, key recommendations to the committee. Uh, so for the committee side, uh, we are suggesting that um, you obtain the detailed report uh, from the compensation fund on the review of the control environment. Um, and also for the committee to obtain the investigation reports uh, to confirm uh, whether the investigations have, have, been, have been conducted. Has the root cause been addressed? Employees that cause these irregularities are identified and actions taken against them. Um, and where the fund has incurred financial loss, is that financial loss recovered? And then monitor the consequence management to, um, is implemented to, trans um, to transgressions. Um, and that is my story on the, the, the compensation fund um, and, and also the recommendations in terms of how we can uh, see this fund moving forward even after five years of a disclaimer. Uh, thank you, uh, Chair. I'm not sure if Kabo would like to come in, uh, but I'll hand over back to, to, to Kabo if there's any closing remarks. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I think, Chair, maybe just to, to highlight one key issue. The, the compensation fund is not benefiting from the governance structures. They're not benefiting from um, the audit committee. They're not benefiting from the internal audit. And simply because they're not providing those committees with complete information to, in, to facilitate the proper analysis, and then they get the recommendations. If you look at the internal audit report, they have a lot of limitations of scope, and that just makes it impossible for that particular unit to then effectively add value to the fund. And I think that's one of the things that we keep highlighting to them that it would not necessarily benefit you to have this particular units and this particular governance structures. If you're not going to provide them with all the documents they require to support the fund and make sure that they also hold hold you accountable in terms of some of the commitments that, that you may have made. But we'll pause here, Chair, and just um, then get the reaction from the committee. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Okay, Babusama, thank you very much for holding the fort for me. I really appreciate that. Um, right, colleagues, there's the horror story um, of the compensation fund. Um, yeah. I... Yeah, okay. Colleagues, Honorable Liz, over to you. I see your hand. Thanks, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, John Bosomia, for standing in for you whilst you go off to have a nap. But um, nice to have you back. Um, I don't actually know. Very nice. <laughs> okay, well. uh, we need a sense of humour, Mr. Chairman, when it comes to to entities such as the compensation fund. Um, essentially, I mean, the AG is the messenger, and and, and so. I'm not in any way casting aspersions about the a the AG, but essentially the the financial report um, is not worth the paper it's written on. I mean, there is nothing. It appears that um, the AG can really say these are the facts. Um, starting with the the system, um, I don't know how many of of you have ever tried to to do returns and so on on their system. It's a nightmare. And they don't even send out notices to say, you know, your return's due. So I suspect there are many innocent employers out there who, who just have forgotten and the years go by and, and they never do returns and they never pay the money that they should be paying. Anyway, it's, it's a mess. But 
One of the issues, Mr. Chairman, where, where perhaps the AG um, can give me some insight, the AG's already said that the investments is a mess. But it's incredible that the PIC is not even mentioned. And, and we know the mess the PIC is in with regard to very, very bad investments in AO and so-called independent media and so on. Um, so it, it's, is it possible? Um, this is a, now the, the question finally after my little rant. Um, is it possible that investments have actually been made and lost um, should be written off, have been stolen by by the 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 people who've been given money to invest, um, and and we there's no record of it. it you know, they, it's it appears on the books as if it's a still a, a safe investment. Is it is it possible that sums of money, large or small? have just disappeared in the investments and, and we don't know about it. Thanks, Mr. Chair. Okay. Um, thanks, Honorable Lisa. Are there any other um, hands or comments from colleagues? Right, let's get a response to that. Um, what, AJ? Thank you so much, Chair. Um, maybe let me start by just um, categorizing the investment that the compensation fund have um, with the PIC. So ordinarily, they'll have two big categories. So they'll have the listed investment um, and they'll have unlisted investment. And really, the listed investment will be those that they make in the listed companies. So there, we don't have a problem. It's pretty much easier to even follow through the money along those lines. The biggest problem we are sitting with is on unlisted stock, on unlisted investment, because it, it's really hard to try and get any other confirmation independently on the market in terms of whether that um, investment is still worth the money that they, they would have initially deposited. I, I wouldn't necessarily comment on whether the money would have been stolen, but what we know is that the compensation fund is struggling to comfortably say, Yes, I paid, let's argue, 40 million in into this particular company. And I can raise my hand and say this is how much is worth. We see a lot of impairments coming in, meaning in some instances, some of these particular unlisted companies, they're coming back and say, look, the, the value had gone down and therefore they needed to be written down. Right? Um, in terms of what would have triggered all of those things, then the underlying documents that we are saying, you, you do not necessarily verify the accuracy of what the investee is giving you. And therefore, you will struggle to even know for real in terms of how much is this investment um, worth at the point in time. But I would, I would not necessarily say, um, say comment on whether the money would have been stolen or otherwise. But, but we do know that impairment right down definitely is happening. And the ability to confirm those figures um, is the biggest challenge that, that we're sitting with. And that some of the things that we recommended to them is to tighten your SLA, your, your agreement with PIC. Find the EMEM monitoring. So don't wait until it's 
year-end to try and get a set of financial statements, a set of management accounts from this particular entity. But make sure that as and when the year goes by, you have the means of testing whether your money is growing or your money is actually losing value and make an informed decision or at least check that the PAC is making informed decisions along, along your funds. Thank you, Chair. Okay, Honorable Lisa, are you good with that? Thanks, Ms. Khabo. Thanks, Mr. Chairman. Okay, colleagues, are there any further questions? Yeah, I think, uh, Honorable Lisa, you are right. The AG is just a messenger um, of, you know, and unfortunately today they bring us very bad news, but the state of affairs of the compensation fund has... Uh, been in the making for the longest of time and in the absence of consequences is going to prevail. I still do not understand why the commissioner and the executives who have presided over uh, this uh, collapse and implosion continue to be in their positions. Now, these are the people in whom his hands this crisis has manifested and yet they continue to be in office. This is a horror story of 10 years. And they just don't listen. Recommendation upon recommendation, because I do recall that the previous COPA, uh, the fifth parliament, even visited the compensation fund. These people are just plainly hard-headed and are comfortable in creating a crisis for a disclaimer which enables the kind of rotten corruption which is at play to take place. And I dare say they do so because most likely they are beneficiaries of that corruption. So they really need to explain to us why they need to, they should continue being in office. And the minister must really explain to us when it does appear why uh, these people remain in office and why they should remain in office if they are going to remain in office. Unless we take a tough stand on the compensation fund, this kind of rot is going to continue. And it's really just deliberate. I, I just, I don't understand an entity being disclaimed for 10 years and they just, they're quite comfortable with it. For lack of a better conclusion in terms of what is going on. But yeah, um, they are scheduled to appear before us um, and so, quite frankly, um, they really have got some very serious questions to answer to. Um, but as far as I see it, those people in the compensation fund are not fit for purpose. They are not worthy to occupy the office that they occupy. Um, and so they just, as far as I see it, have got to go. And the, yeah. Anyway, Babu Ulis, I see your hand. Just quickly, Mr. Chairman, um, it's, it's not for the AG, but, but can we ask the Compensation Commission to give us a detailed report of all their investments before they come before us? In other words, both listed and unlisted. Um, can can we have such a report, please? Okay. Uh, Sister Putman, please uh, put that down and we'll send it through to the Compensation Fund so that when they appear, they are prepared um, for it. Um, the, the Compensation Fund is due to appear before us next week, Sister right? Next week, Tuesday. Wednesday, Chairperson. 
Yeah, yeah, to Wednesday, yes. The minister has written a letter indicating that he is in Botswana on that day, on the day of the scheduled meeting, and was requesting that uh, the meeting be postponed for a day when he will be available. So I think, colleagues, just uh, do send your thoughts. I'll send the letter through um, on our side office and just do send through your um, comments on that so that we can make a determination. But he was of the opinion that um, he wants to appear and that the day which uh, we had put in our program will be in Botswana. I think there is a labor uh, minister's forum that's taking place and he'll be out of the the, the, the country. So we'll send that. So please put that letter um, to members and then we'll just make a determination uh, about it. Right, let me take this opportunity then to thank the AG um, for um, the presentations which they've given us this morning. Uh, Andres Sishabo, Saki, Ed Banning, Pendule, Siabonga, Kone, Michelle, Almal and Almal, if I... Andrea, yeah, if if I don't mention you, uh, I will mention you under the very prestigious auspices of all protocol is observed. Um, thanks, colleagues. We really, really appreciate the work that you do. I'm AG team and um, for coming to brief us uh, this morning. So um, thank you very much. Much appreciated. Um, so Stombi, I'm not sure if we can proceed with that set of minutes. I doubt. Uh, Only we don't have a quorum again. Okay, no, 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 it's fine. Um, just schedule them for first thing. Uh, colleagues, next week, Tuesday, can we start at quarter past nine? This is don't be just put that in to members. So we'll deal with um, all the minutes. So, uh, that well, that that three that was outstanding and the minutes of the last two meetings. Um, and then we, because I do know that, yeah, so just put it in and we'll also quarter past nine next week, Tuesday, and finish off with the minutes. Because as I said, it's just minutes which really were, they were all corrected and done. They just do for adoption. So it's no train smash um, in that regard. Um, the reports, are we, do, we doing those next week? We'll find a day. I don't know. I would imagine so. Okay, colleagues, let's um, find a day when we are all here and file us on those reports. Uh, I have uh, asked to Honorable Hatebe to um, facilitate the placement of our reports on the in a, uh, the assemblies program uh, so that we can, and all those are ones that are outstanding. I know Honorable Fanmin and there's the one that you specific about we are working with the uh, programming committee to make sure that our reports are actually um, scheduled as i said there is a long there is a long list of these program of these reports of all the committees and i think the system is a tad bit overwhelmed and so we will try and jump the queue um, in that regard because some of them are agent and they are overdue as well. So we are working on that, uh, colleagues. So colleagues, the reports that have been circulated, the drafts, may I request you to uh, go through those and we'll find a day 
um, to, 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 to finalize them and adopt them and then have them scheduled as well um, in the house. I hope colleagues are agreeable to that. Going once. Agreed. Okay. Well, thanks, colleagues. On that um, note, the meeting stands adjourned and we'll meet next week, um, Tuesday. Systemic with Ben and the team. Thank you very much. Have a good day for the everyone. Take care. Thank you. You are okay. Thank you, members. Keep well. Thanks, Andres. Shop, shop. Recording.